Hi everyone, welcome to Magnolia Radio. This is episode two, uh, where I'm going to have a really good chat with an old friend of mine named Matt Robinson from over in Tupelo, Mississippi, about an hour from where I live here in Oxford. He owns a uh, skateboard shop there uh, called Change. Uh, you can find out more about it at changetupelo.com. Uh, anyways, he's been around in the scene, uh, in, the, in the skateboard and punk and music scene here in Mississippi for about 20 years or more. And he's one of the first people I met when I was playing in bands. It's like old, old punk and hardcore bands back in the day when I was a teenager. Uh, and so I just wanted to check up with him and see what was going on. Um, and hadn't talked to him in a while, so it was really good to catch up. And uh, unfortunately, we spend the first little, little bit talking about <laughs> cigarettes. Because uh, that tends to happen with me. I don't know, I was having one as he, as he came up to the house to park. And I think, that, I think he just got a whiff of the, of the smoke around. Uh, the spirit was, was lingering, as you could say. But anyways, uh, I'm just going to let y'all uh, listen to this talk. I think it was real good. I uh, got a lot out of it myself. I really enjoyed it, and it was really good to see an old friend. Um, so y'all check it out. All right, so uh, once upon a time, I also smoked American Spirits. And the only way I was able to quit is by coming to terms with the fact that I would never truly be happy again. Yeah. Um, well, I quit for, um, like, I would say I quit for five years. I didn't smoke consistently for about five years, and I started using nicotine lozenges yeah. when I was quitting. Do you know those things? Yeah, the yeah. Mints, you know? I see people taking them. You know, I tried the patch before that. And I would go through the whole patch process exactly like it told me. And on the last day, I would rip it off and be like, I'm done. And I'd go to the store and buy bags. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just like didn't stick for whatever reason. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried the lozenges and I was like, oh, this kind of works because I'm still choosing when I get that hit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I would pop them in or take them out or yeah. whatever, you know. And, but it, <laughs> after five years, I still couldn't like just completely get away from them. I was yeah. just always still using them. And it got to the point where I was having like stomach problems and all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. I couldn't figure out what it was. And I finally, Sarah, my wife was like, probably those. Yeah. He's sucking on those things. <laughs> like you're eating like 30 of those things a day. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah you're probably right. Uh, there it is. Here I am. Yeah. I'm back again. I understand. It's like the only, it's the last like real struggle. Yeah. That I can't kick. I'll be two years sober. Yeah. Uh, like two weeks. That's I mean, great. Less than two weeks. Yeah, that's great. You know, that was hard. Sure. Uh, for its own things, but it's, it was one of those things too. Where like going through that, I was. Everyone told me like, don't try to quit cigarettes. Yet. Yeah, it's yeah. not worth. It, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now you go to AA meetings. Everybody's yeah. just we're smoking it up. Cigarettes. Yeah, man. yeah, for sure. And they're yeah. like, if I stop this, everything is over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, the way that I quit smoking um, was uh, I had to use that stuff, Shantix. Yeah. which is that scary drug, you know? Right. And um, it's so I read about it. You remember Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So Edie Brickell married Paul Simon. I'm not sure if they're still together, but anyway, their guitarist for the New Bohemians was one of these guys. It kind of looked like Leland Sklar, you know, just a, like a cousin it, just like long mm-hmm. hair and long beard, just super peaceful dude, yeah. best guy ever kind of thing. And, he, uh, I think, you know, lived in some mansion somewhere. And this is like third or fourth hand story, but apparently his neighbor one night heard someone beating on his door. So the neighbor, you know, goes to his door, the door of his home, and 
and there's somebody screaming like a madman, you know, let me in, let me in. I'm going to kill you. And he's like, oh, and then the guy gets an ax and does like a here's Johnny on the outside of this guy's door to like come into his house. And so the guy goes and gets a shotgun and just shoots the person through the door who's clearly coming in to massacre him, you know, yeah. opens the door and it's Mr. Peace, Love and Hair Grease from the Edie Brickell and New Bohemians. <laughs> and it was so completely out of character, but yeah. he had started Shantix to try to quit smoking. Oh, and wow. so now if you, if you know, there's big, you know, if you have homicidal thoughts while yeah. you're taking this medicine. Wow. So I was like checking myself all the time. Like, am I having homicidal thoughts? <laughs> am I having more than usual? You know, how am I feeling right now? And like, oh, now, I kind of always wanted to kill that guy. But yeah. Today, do I actually want to kill that <laughs> is guy? Is this chemically induced or is this just, you know, depravity? Right, right. So anyway, I was able to use it for just long enough to make a break. And now, yeah. oh, man, but I still love it. So. Man, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's good to see you. You too, man. As uh, I was thinking back, I'm trying to remember the first time I met you. Was it at ICC? I don't know, man. I would have thought that um, whether you knew we met or not, I was present at um, a Quick in the Dead show in Tupelo in probably 1998, if I had to guess. Okay, that sounds more right. That I probably would have known who you were when I got. It was kind of around the same time, honestly. Oh, yeah? I mean, the first Quick and the Dead shows would have been when I was around 18 or 19. Uh-huh. And that's about the time I graduated high school and went my first semester at okay. ICC. So, yeah. 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 We probably met at a, at a show I was playing. Yeah. No, um, for sure. I remember, you know, there was a group of, like, kind of this ragtag bunch of, like, evangelicals from different groups that rented a warehouse, and they came to me because so I had a skateboard shop in town, and they are like, hey, we want you to come build some uh, skateboard ramps inside this building. I was like, yeah, sure. You yeah. know, so we came in and built some ramps and then that's kind of where I was on the weekends going forward. And uh, that was a little space in Tupelo called the Kai house. And yeah. uh, they, they would have, you know, punk rock shows and different kinds of shows. And man, the queen of the dead came through and it was, that was the, the best show that I ever saw there for sure. I remember that. I mean, cause there wasn't it like a, it was kind of during the day, and there yeah, was I think it was daytime, sort of a, a, a skate event uh-huh. happening at the same time yep. where there were people kind of competing or, yeah. or whatever. It, that's what I thought was interesting. I was never a skateboarder, really. You know, Joel, who was in yeah. Quick and the Dead, he always skateboarded, but I never did. Um, but I remember being there and and watching people do tricks, and you know, people would bang their boards, and somebody did something good. It was kind of my first experience actually oh, wow. being around a group of skaters. Yeah. Um, and I was like kind of taken back by the fact that it like it wasn't the macho thing that you oh, yeah, that I sure. thought it was even yeah. you know what I mean um, and it was like I saw it more as like a I guess I saw it more as both a sport but also like sort of a, a, a creative outlet it's yeah. kind of those two things going together yeah I really I really I recoil against that that word sport you know right. um I, I don't know any I don't know much about sports yeah. um I just never was very good at it and I guess I was never really interested in it you know so I just never even like learned the rules but skateboarding is is a is a vehicle for self-expression um, if, the, if there's something to compare it to, you know, martial arts, maybe, you right. know, may have something, uh, gymnastics could maybe yeah. have something, uh, some relation to it. But 
there's no way to win. You can't score right. more goals than the other guy, you know? And so therefore there's really no competition apart from competing with yourself, right? right? You're trying to teach, you're trying to get better than you were yesterday and you're trying to practice this thing. And every time you jump down this set of stairs, you know, you skin your elbow and you're like, this time I'm not going to lean too far forward. I'm going to lean too, I'm going to lean back. And so, you know, it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's an, it's way more in the art world, I think, than it is in the sport world. Now it's in the Olympics now, and there are, there are almost two camps, you know, um, there are the guys that are happy to just kind of hang out in the parking lot and skate a curb. And, you know, the way that you interact with your environment around you, this kind of urban wasteland of, you know, painted parking curbs and, you know, disregarded rails and whatever, you know, is, is the way that you interact with it. And it may be different from the way that someone else interacts with it. In fact, you kind of want it to be a little different so that it right. sets it apart. And then there's like competitive skateboarding where there's a course that's sort of built to look like what could conceivably be in a, you know, in a, yeah. in a city. And everybody is supposed to do the same thing. And you, I guess you judge how well it's done and whatever. And so we, you know, we do contests, but we treat it way more like it's just a jam. It's just an excuse for everybody to get together and just really like go all out. And everybody's cheering for everybody. Right. And the, the coolest thing in the Olympics, the thing that just completely confounded the Olympic, you know, watchers and the Olympic committee is that here you have all these different uh, countries represented. And while someone's skating for, say, Brazil, everybody from America and from Sweden and from wherever they're cheering, they're screaming, they're banging right. their boards on the ground for this other country to win. You know, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't happen in whatever soccer or, or basketball or whatever, yeah, you know, not at all. No, right. it's a totally different thing. But this, yeah, skateboarding is it's uh, it's individual self-expression and it's done in the context of community, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad that you had that experience where you saw that, okay, this isn't this macho thing because at least in that era and, you know, hopefully going forward to some degree, we can retain this aspect of our culture uh, because we were a marginalized group, especially here in the South, you right. know, and we were always exposed to just random violence. Like people could just right. drive by and throw a beer bottle at you, you know, and scream at you or actually get out and just like start whooping on you. Um, then, and you mean a marginalized group in the sense that like we kind of looked like weirdos. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, we stood yeah. out. It was before right. you could, I mean, people would be like, what are you, what kind of shoes are those? And that's you know? true. You know, it's different now. It's very normal to see people uh, with a tattoo or, yeah. or with different color hair, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the lady working at the bank might have a yeah purple streak in her hair that's not how it was 20 years ago. nah and that's because you know? we won you know and yes, we, i mean we right. have to be I, yeah. I have a big part of my life is learning how to be a gracious winner right you know and not be like oh man, you don't know nothing about this you weren't around in the 80s man you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what's the point of that right uh let's celebrate the fact that like oh, the world's getting a lot cooler and a lot more I open i do think it is important though to like kind of let people know like what we mean by marginalized because it it, it is like you say it's better it's better now. Mm -hmm. It has changed for the good. Mm -hmm. And we, I think folks like you, and, and I don't know about me, but a lot of folks like you have really have done a lot to make it okay, you know, for mm. for kids who feel weird Oh yeah, to just be themselves. And it, and it has seeped into the culture and through music, you know, I think yeah. it has had a lot to do with it. Um, but I think there's a lot to say about that. Um, does that make sense to you? Yeah, totally. And that, that's what I think that's why, you know, 
with skateboarding, the skateboarding community would always have this kind of radical empathy for the other groups that didn't, that weren't part of the mainstream in yeah. Southern culture, you know? And so we would be friends, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, the, the gay kids in my school, they had great taste in music, you know, and we right. could, we could trade, you know, uh, Elvis Costello and Cure Tapes. Yeah. And when I was in the ninth grade and, you know, 1991 or whatever, and nobody else in my school, you know, was into that. Right. And we saw they were getting picked on. We we're getting picked on. So there's a real sense of community that comes together where you kind of have each other's back. And whether that's, you know, any, anybody who doesn't sort of fit that mainstream narrative of 1990s and uh, or 1980s Deep South, you know, yeah. Mississippi, we kind of were a de facto community. And I think that was an enriching experience for me. You know, I mean, skateboarding's kind of stupid. You're just playing with a toy. <laughs> it's like a yo-yo or a pogo yeah. stick or something, you know, but it's the culture around it right. that makes it so amazing. You know, yo-yoing and, and pogo sticking, to my knowledge, doesn't have this this, you know, art and music and architecture and travel element that, you know, is so conversant with the culture and the way that it bumps up against these other things that mean so much to us, you know? Yeah, that's great. I'm also, I'm interested in how you see music as interacting with, with skateboard community. Cause like we said, the first time we met would have been, uh, my, uh, my band was a like a uh, hardcore band, yeah. you know, Christian hardcore band that we had started at the time. And, and I, they were, to, if I remember right, it was kind of other punk bands and other hardcore bands and people that played that day. Um, but that's one thing that's kind of always, if you find a group of skateboarders, even you follow them long enough, you're going to end up somewhere where someone's playing some music. Right. Or, sure. or they're just listening to music and it seems to go a lot. And maybe it's the way you move your body, you know, it's, yeah. it's something like something like dancing. I would yeah. say no, for sure. Riding a skateboard. It, I mean, is it that? Is it the body? Is it the body mind, or is it kind of all of it? Like, what makes it all go together? I think there's that body mind connection, like a dance. Um, you know, there's there's. I mean, with the punk and hardcore, there's just aggression, right? I mean, right. You, you need to work up some adrenaline right. to be able to jump down this thing and know, like, I'm probably going to slide on my elbow, you know, yeah. but it's okay. Cause if I don't, it'll be glorious. You know? So, <laughs> right. um, and so some kind of, uh, just like punk rock and hardcore in its best form can be this really positive outlet for the aggression. Yeah. You know, if you're not, if you're not pissed off, you're not paying attention. Right. right. So it's a, it's a really great outlet skateboarding and music to take out your, you know, feelings of aggression in a positive way on an inanimate object. Yeah. And so I think that's why those two, you know, worlds historically have always gone together back in the seventies. Like, you are know, talking about like Dogtown days, um, early, early guys, like the very first pool riders who sort of made the jump from surfing to uh, skateboarding in the pools. You know, they, they were looking for something that sort of matched that aggressive, take that they were that they were using and i mean back then it was like i don't know guys like ted nugent or something you know right. it's like the closest thing they could get to like heavy rock at that time yeah, yeah. and then when punk rock came along it was just this perfect marriage uh -huh. you know and so that's always been you know skate punk has always been a thing from from the right. very beginning you know and so I mean, for me i mean growing up in mississippi and just listening to whatever was on the radio in like 1987 you know poison or something you know and um, I, I was at the Piggly Wiggly uh, with my mom, you know, getting some groceries 
And I would, I would, she would go shopping and I would leave and go to the little magazine rack and we'd look at like Mad Magazine and Cracked, you know. And one day there was this magazine called Thrasher and I had, I had seen skateboarding like in um, Back to the Future and some other movies like that and thought it was cool. And I probably had one in my, in my carport, but this was like this book that, that was so full of this, the most foreign, you know, Southern California uh, San Francisco area Northern California culture of skateboarding and punk rock and art and it was so foreign and so amazing and immediately I was like this is what I want to do with my life you know yeah <laughs> so, I think I think down here in Mississippi like that's a that's a great story too to like find a Thrasher magazine that probably accidentally ended up yeah, what was it doing in Piggly, in Wiggly, Piggly Wiggly in 1987 or something you know their distributor probably uh-huh. got it put in all the groceries you know they like cut some deal yeah but no one you're probably one of the few people that picked it up but i bet there's more of that that happens than you know my version of that that i often talk about when it comes to music is like i was raised you know like really evangelical Mm -hmm. my folks didn't let me listen pretty much to any music that kind of wasn't under the christian label Mm -hmm. Uh, but my mom is she would always go to the christian bookstore for whatever reason and it's the same kind of thing, you know, where like a lot of these bands had distribution deals with these Christian labels like Tooth and Nail and stuff like yeah. that. And they would have these CDs that if the people who work there actually listened to them, they'd be like, those don't belong here. Right. You know? <laughs> but I found it. And yeah. I was like, what is this? So what was you know? the band? Well, you know, like one of the first bands that I found that I bought a CD like there was this band Roadside Monument. Mm, from, they're like an old Tooth and Nail band. Uh-huh. And they're really gnarly, dude. Yeah. They were like three piece. Yeah. Um, just drums, guitar, uh, bass, and vocals that kind of screamed and kind of came in and out, and yeah, just really gnarly. You it's, know, what you'd I mean? never heard that before. I'd never heard right. I never heard that band, and I'd never heard anything like that. I think if you had to, if you looked at them now, you'd say they sound a lot like Fugazi. Uh huh. You know, they were c- trying to do a Fugazi thing. Yeah. Um, but it was, but, you know, I legitimately liked some of the, you know, I was getting some of the Christian rock then at the time or whatever, but it was like every time I found something that really grabbed me, it was something that was out of the ordinary. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. And it sounds like it's the same type of oh yeah the thing with the Thrasher magazine. It is. So. And we're, we're from kind of that last generation that had to go physically looking for things. Absolutely. You know, instead of just having access to all of it. So I would, I opened that magazine and just looked at every photograph and whether it was something that was written on someone's grip tape with a paint pen or it was spray painted on the, you know, on the pool or it was a T-shirt. So, I mean, the first time I saw the words minor threat, you know, I was also seeing uh, like public enemy. Right. You know? And so I was like, what are these things? And I would go to the record store and I would have a list and say, OK, I want to get this, you know, MDC album. I don't, yeah. know what the, I don't know what this stands for, but this is what I want, you know, yeah. and I want SOD and I want suicidal tendencies and I want dead Kennedys and I want da da da. da. And they'd be like, what? Is, we don't have any of this stuff, but we can probably try to order it for you. <laughs> right. Well, you never knew if it was going to be, you know, if it was going to be Bauhaus when you got it, you know, sonically, or if it was going to be dead Kennedys. You just never knew when you put it in. You just knew it was going to be something that you, you weren't going to hear on the radio. So, right. Yeah. 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 And did you get a lot of. Uh, music that way I did at that time yeah I mean yeah. that's how I, that's how I started getting turned on to all of that stuff you know I was you were living in Tupelo mm-hmm. is that right you yeah grew up there yeah I grew up in Tupelo uh, my whole life and, and just you went to school there too went right? to school there yeah, yeah. graduated in 94 but you know started 
my dad worked at downtown um, in an office, and so when I got out of school, I would just take my skateboard and and uh, and I would just skate around all downtown. So all growing up, that was my playground. You it was know? a lot smaller back then. Yeah, than yeah, it is now. and it was like a ghost town too. That you yeah. know the downtown hadn't like revitalized or whatever. So. This is before the mall. Yeah, is that right? Uh huh. Yeah. Which I remember, I, I mean, I grew up in Bruce, which is about an hour to drive from there. Yeah. It's kind of middle of nowhere. That's the country. That's the country. Yeah. But if in when I was a teenager, yeah, if you were going to go Christmas shopping or go anywhere, it was like you had to go to Tupelo. Right. You know, so it's, <laughs> That's it's, a big city. Tupelo was a big city for yeah. me when I grew up, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to no. you, you were like, this is a small, small town. Yeah, but I mean, I, yeah. I realize that it is like the little kind of like cultural hub you know between memphis and birmingham mm. you know there's an interstate that runs and connects right. both of those and and you know we're one of the only towns that it passes through that you could pull over and eat at a restaurant that doesn't have a tm after the name or go into a locally owned record store or go into a locally owned skate shop you know right. go see live music so it's it's and because of that skateboarding and with music tuplo um has always been kind of the hub where people gather. So you might right. live in Bruce, but you're considered a Tupelo local, you know? Yeah. Um, because that's just, that's just the hub. I mean, I went all to get so together. many shows there. Too. Yeah. I mean, I was going to see bands there when I was, you know, an early teenager, um, but all through my early twenties. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. I mean, I remember, I think I remember most of the venues and everything that were there too. What was some of the earlier, like, Court Street era? Court Street. I yeah. definitely remember. I think would have been the first show, the first time I ever played in front of people alone with a guitar. Wow. Uh, songs that I wow. wrote. Yeah, yeah. Too, you uh -huh. know? So a little bit terrifying. Yeah, I believe it. I don't remember being scared. I've been thinking about it today. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I've got some photos I'll send you. You know Evan Walker. Right? Yeah, so man. He's got yeah. some great uh, film Best, photos that he took of, some, of, a show, of the show that I'm talking about. Yeah. I played there. It was probably in 2000 mm -hmm. around there so yeah you and i played yeah. i played bass for you uh when, remember, as yeah. as a never cry wolf you know stand in uh well that's kind of when there? i it, yeah so never cry wolf you know if people don't know that's like the first band that i had where i was the i guess the front man or the mm -hmm. singer or guitar player or whatever but um and it it was just starting then like i didn't even really know what it was you know i just yeah. needed a band name i didn't know if it was going to be me solo or with people uh but it was cool because like yeah right off the bat you were like hey i'll play bass with you and you had that sweet fretless oh yeah fender p was it a fender fretless I, I don't even know what it was it was a fender fretless bass yeah. that was awesome yeah i missed that uh, bass i think you also played i don't know if it was that show but there was another show where you put a band together called free catfish yeah and yeah. your whole logic was if we make these uh, posters real big that say free catfish a lot of people are going to show up to the show that's right <laughs> yeah a lot of pissed off people <laughs> and, and, and then like there was no catfish there yeah and they're like hey we're free catfish yeah <laughs> that was it I, free beer was already taken so i was like what's the second best thing you know yeah. catfish I'll, I'll think about that a lot it <laughs> makes me laugh uh I think I I want to say that was a Lucero show yeah maybe one of the first times yeah. they played and I know you used to book yep. a lot of shows uh, there and other places. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Lucero show. In fact, I have the um, I have the poster. I, sh I should bring you one. I'll bring you a copy of it. Yeah. It has this uh, this version of Tupalupe yeah. uh, thing here. So 
I don't know. That'll be hard for people to understand what we're talking about but, uh, out there. But um, it, it has some cool art. And uh, maybe we'll put a link up to it if you want some Tupelo history. You know, yeah, you can get a poster. We can do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. No, so, uh, so yeah, getting into skateboarding. And then um, around, uh, I graduated in 94 and had been skateboarding by then for a solid almost 10 years. And, um, you know, that's just what it was all about for me and going to see music. And, and I had been going to Cheapskates in, in Memphis um, where Ron Hale, you know, has uh, the oldest skate shop around in the Mid-South. I don't know about it because yeah. I'm not a skateboarder. So yeah. maybe tell, tell so me about So there's a guy, it. Brad Jackson, that worked there. He's in Texas now. Um, he was from Corinth and, you know, I knew him. And But, man, you, you so I, I, I had an aunt who lived in Memphis and I mean, early, early, like when I'm 10 years old, 11 years old, 86, 87, I go up to stay with her and get the yellow pages out and, and look up skateboard shop, you know? Yeah. And there's one cheap skates. And so we go in and I go in, dude, and it's like, it's heaven on earth, right? <laughs> I mean, I was just this nerdy young kid you know, barely 11 years old. And there are these punk rocker guys with like half their head shaved and, you know, T-shirts that they had spray painted. I remember this guy spray painted subhumans on a T-shirt. And I was like, what is that? You know, I must know. And um, and there were like seven inches. There was a box full of seven inches. All these punk rock, you know, logos that I'd seen in the magazines, like Black Flag and Dead Kennedys or whatever. Like, oh, here it is. Yeah. I can get this. Right. And um, he had a massive boa constrictor that just lived in the shop and would like snakey <laughs> around, you know. And, so I, I was like, that. this is the coolest place in the world. It's full of the coolest people in the world. And like, I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life. And so about 10 years later in 94, when I graduated, um, you know, I dicked around a little and worked here and there and then opened a skateboard shop in 1996. And, um, you know, just tried to recreate that clubhouse vibe for right. all the people. And, and that's what happened, you know, people from Corinth and Columbus and, Oh man, you know, all around yeah. Oxford, Starkville, like people heard, oh, there's a shop. And so they started coming to Tupelo on the weekends and to pay the rent, we decided we needed to throw some shows. Right. So, you know, we became a venue Yeah, and bands would pass through and you know, they would give me a call or whatever. We had, uh, we had Scared of Chaka, yeah. who um, I think one of those dudes was in the Swans. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And yeah. He, he played, you know, in my warehouse, um, that we, we wound up getting a warehouse for the shop and, and building some ramps and whatever and having bands, you know, come through and play. And at those early shows, there's this great, like, legendary North Mississippi punk rock band called the Grumpies. Mm -hmm. And um, they came and played. Yeah. And, um, and a young Jason Simon was in attendance. And I think yeah. he was like 12 or something. Right. And it just blew his mind. Like, I like the way this feels, you know. Yeah. I like the interaction. I like how excited everybody is because he was at that age where, you know, you're a kid and you're bouncing off the walls yeah. and now you can bounce off the walls and you're supposed to do it. You and it's fun, you know? Yeah. yeah it's encouraged. <laughs> yeah. And so within just a, like within just a, a few days of that show, I think, you know, and I, and I may be like romanticizing it a little bit, but he and some of the other young guys started a punk rock band, you know, mm -hmm. and they just, I mean, Jason's going on to play music all over the place and it's, yeah. you know, still just like an amazing human being. But it's for me, I mean, if I, if I cared about making money, I'd go figure out what the hell an NFT is, you know, yeah. and figure out how to do no something kidding. with that, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like there's, there's this like build a cool clubhouse for the weirdos in your town 
And you're going to be amazed at the kinds of artists and musicians and just incredibly interesting people, you know, show up and come around. And so yeah. I'm happy to say that it's 2022 and I'm still able to do the same thing. You know, I own a little shop called Change in Tupelo. Yeah. yeah. And um, we've been on and off since 1996. You know, we still have we still have shows. It's an all ages venue where you can come in and hear punk rock and hear hip hop shows and um skate have a bowl inside of it where right. you can come get out of the heat and skate the air uh air conditioning and yeah it's um it's pretty sick man it's it's a good thing to be doing and it's over on what's it's on, what's it's on, it on cliff gookin cliff gookin yeah it's yeah. by ballard park right uh, on cliff gookin which is where our skate park is yeah and the skate park's still there right it I haven't is been up there in a while yeah skate park's there and um so i I work with the city, too. Um, I'm the president of the Tupelo Skate Park Association with Park and Rec. So I'm sort of the liaison between the skate community who's just like, man, the the city hates us, dude. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, screw the cops or whatever. I'm the liaison between those guys and, and, you know, the man. I can go in and actually sit down with them and talk about writing grants and talk about, you know, working with people. And so we... And we actually have about five hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in our um, in our account. That's great right now to do a total revitalization of that skate park. Well, that's so, great, man. That's yeah, wonderful. I'm stoked. It seems like Tupelo has really maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like they kind of always have, have been really supportive of, of skateboarding there. I've never really heard any stories of anyone. Yeah, just I don't know. Am I wrong? Yeah. Well, no, you're know. not wrong. I mean, I, you know, I think that. Just like anything, you know, if you don't know what something is, you you tend to kind of fear it a little bit. And so I think in the 80s, you know, it was it was the the skaters in the movies were the kids with like the fingerless leather gloves, you know, and spiked bracelets or whatever. And that was true. Like we all wanted to dress, you know, we bought all that stuff at the fair and wanted to wear it and look crazy. But I think the the city didn't really know, like they just looked like miscreants and, you know, vandals. Um, and I started going to city council meetings when I was just a kid, you know, in the in the 80s and saying, yeah, we need a skateboard park, you know, right. every time we go skate. And I didn't understand this concept of private property like I, I do yeah. a little bit better now, you know. But, right. um, I, we, we, hey, man, we're just out here trying to skate this handrail. And, yeah, so what? We knocked the paint off of it or we, you know, rubbed a bunch of wax all over your marble ledge that you bought. You know, nobody was using it and we're out here making use of this structure. And then the cops came, man, you know, we had to run from the cops. And, you know, imagine if you're just playing tennis and all of a sudden, all right, boys, you know, get up against the fence, you know, like, well, we're just trying to play tennis. Right. So, yeah, that was was trying to sing that song for a long time to the mayor and city council and whatever. And and they would be polite and say, well, yeah, that's cool. But there's really there's like eight of y'all, you know, what what do you want us to do? So that continued for a long time until I met a guy called Hank Borner and Hank was the, he runs or ran the, uh, the wellness center in Tupelo and was well known and well loved. He's just like a real community servant. Um, you know, uh, he was the man without being the man and he was a surfer. He's probably like 15 years older than me. Um, and he was a surfer when he was young and he used to have to cross private property to get to the good breaks. Right. And so he was like, man, we were just trying to surf, but the landowners thought we were, you know, doing something bad. And so he took me under his wing and showed me, look, this is how you start a nonprofit. And this is how you, you know, you get in with city, uh, the city government. And this is how you write a grant. And, you know, so next thing you knew, 
yeah. he was like showing me how to do it the right way. Well, that whole idea of like private property and not even being able to just kind of walk and go play. That's a very American sure. thing, right? I mean, yeah. that, it's in other parts of the world, but like I know um, like in England, for example, you know, grazing you know, animal animals and uh-huh. people are allowed to just kind of walk yeah. wherever they want. You can walk through someone's forest behind their house yeah. and they can't do anything to you, right? Right. It's, and so here we just have this very rigid, Yeah, we like fences and lines That's and right. this is mine, this is yours. So it's really important to like have someone like that come along and be like, well, if we're going to do this, we got to figure out yeah, how to work within that system. That's right. There's you a system I mean? that exists and right. you know, this is how you work inside of it. And so maybe it's not perfect and oh, we can yeah. just spend our days rebelling against it mm-hmm. and probably never get anywhere. Well, it's or like, we can try to figure out how to, to work with people. It's like screaming at a wall. One right. day it's going to fall. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think you sell yourself short. I've seen you, I think, be a, a, a pretty effective uh, liaison between uh, weirdos and, and people <laughs> who skate and people who play music and other people who may not understand those people quite so well. Good. I've always thought of you as being a really great communicator. Good, in man. In that way between, between people. And, and the type of way that, like, if a room was tense, you would walk into it and just be like, it's all good, baby. It's cool. <laughs> and everybody would kind of chill down. You know? Like, I've always, at least for me, I've always felt that nice. way. Nice. So it's You're great kind of to like hear. a chilling I, dude. I'm like, like Sugar Bear yeah. <laughs> from, the, from the cereal, right? And I think, you know, it's one of those things that, like, that's why I don't do what you do. I think it's just, it's not my personality like i tend to if i went into a room where there was conflict i tend to just kind of like hide in the corner and then i duck out you sure. know at some point sure. i just like i'm not built that way yeah and some people are and i think it's i think it's uh i think it's great well um, good i'm glad to hear that because you know all i know is on the inside where there's you know crippling anxiety and depression yeah. most of the time and so to hear like oh yeah you can yeah you're it's going well so yeah that's good to hear yeah. Well, it's the same here, too. It's like, <laughs> people are like, oh, you like you're doing really well. I'm like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> My head goes down. Yeah. Go grab the American spirits and yeah. <laughs> have a day or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, it's really all about if you've been doing, you know, if we kind of you've kind of found your thing, which is like sure. skateboarding and skateboarding communities. And me, I kind of found my thing early on, too, which was music and yeah. music communities. And those, you know, those are really close sometimes. But for me, it's like that's the thing that keeps me sane or whatever it keeps me going um anytime it does get bad that thing comes back around yeah man and gives me a purpose yep that's it and and it really looks like there's been many times i thought i was gonna lose it you know Mm. that like i'm you know i can't play anymore i can't write songs you know you get to that point you're like my records are not selling i can't book show you know it's like i guess this is the end it's the time to get a real job right or whatever oh yeah and then (laughs) You know, a few months later, some note I will play, and I'm just like, ah, I still got it. You know, yeah. it's just like that is a spark that will never die. Yeah, man. And that's, I think, it seems like you have that with skateboarding, which I think is really cool and well, really interesting. I but. appreciate that. And I mean, my ability to skateboard as a 46 year old is way less than it used to be. You know, I tell people all the time, like, it, uh, it hurts worse and it feels better, you yeah. know, because the smallest things still just feel rad when you do yeah. them, you know. Um, but there's, you know, again, there's just so much more to skateboarding than just skateboarding. And I owe skateboarding so much, man, because it got my head up and out of kind of, you know, the culture around me, which 
you know, it was predominantly not a very healthy culture, you know. Right. And, and it exposed me to people who were not like me, people who didn't think like me, people who didn't think like the culture that I grew up in, you know, and I got to travel, I mean, you know, you skate all the concrete in your city and you get bored. So you want to go to the next city and go look at their concrete. Yeah. And when you're there, you meet people not from where you're from, you know, and you wind up sleeping on their couch and you wind up seeing how they live. And you, you're like, Oh, these, these people who are not like me are not bad people at all. You know, in fact, yeah. we're just, they're just people like me, <laughs> you know, I'm just a people and they're a people. And so if it weren't, I mean, I owe, I owe skateboarding again, skateboarding is just a silly toy. But it's the vehicle through which I was introduced to, I think, radical empathy for, you know, groups that are marginalized, um, art, uh, music, so much, such a beautiful, you know, expansive catalog of influences uh, through skate videos and through, you know, magazines and through the skate culture. And so, yeah, man, I, I, to be able to pass that on is what's up. And so I'm, I'm right. really happy to be able to, you know, be in a place where in Little Tupelo, Mississippi, some kid walks through my door and gets his first board and, you know, skateboarding belongs as much to him, you know, as it does to me. But I'm there almost as a historian to say, hey, there's a whole culture that right. goes with this thing and we want to show you what it is. And so it's, it's such an important role. Yeah. I hope you realize that. I do. I, I feel like it's important to to. Well, I want to do that because that culture has meant so much to me. Right. And, and I don't want it to lose, you know, what made it great. I mean, it's it's kind of cool right now. In fact, if you want some social credit in school, like you can be a skater. Yeah. And I mean, that was the opposite when I was exactly. a kid. So what's to keep the skaters from being the new jocks in 2030, you know, right. that beats up the kid that wants, just wants to play football because it's fun. What do you think the answer is to that? I think the answer is to just continue to... um you know, to, to, we just don't put up with that. Create the space where that's yeah. not, it's not put up with. That's right. right. And you know, as the, as the old guy in the shop that, you know, the young guys are kind of scared of, I go when they're kids and they're, they're nervous, they're walking into the shop for the first time. I make sure I go out of my way to go and make them feel comfortable yeah. and make them make sure that they understand, look, man, this is here. I'll come show you how this works, you know? And, when they're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, man, nobody's born knowing how to do this. You know, you got to come over here and try it. And look, here, I'll try it. And they see me hit the ground and laugh. And they're then they're kind of not scared to try it. Yeah. Well, then when they, you know, get a couple of years up and suddenly they're kind of the, the regular, when another kid comes through, if I see them vibing that kid, I'll go over and take them to the side and be like, I remember when you were that kid yeah. two years ago, you know, and right. think about what skateboarding has been to you for the last couple of years, you know, in this community and your friends, like you need to go, you need to be cool to that kid. Yeah. You know, now sometimes kids are kooks and you can't help it. You know, you right. just there's a certain amount, there's a certain amount of gatekeeping, right. Yeah. That has kept skateboarding from being something whack. Like, I don't know, think of something, you know, some other quote sport that's just kind of whack, right? Like skateboarding. Uh, most of them. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there is, I mean, I'm not just saying like it's all peace, love and hair grease, but in terms of, um, you know, making sure that just trying to teach kids to be cool to each other, yeah. you know, and to be accepting. And I can say this, man, I mean, skateboarding was, by and large, a, a white dude thing when right. I was a kid, you know? I mean, there was one or two black guys, one or two Hispanic guys that skated, 
and you know were part of the crew, but they were ostracized kind of from you right. know the majority culture or whatever. And so now, the um, like the principles that we held back then have now come to be the norm. So yeah. I'm at the skate park sometimes in Tupelo. I'll be the only white dude out there, you yeah. know, and, and it's just all the homies, these guys right. that I know, you know, that skate and. We have a girls' night uh, every other Tuesday night at the shop, and probably like three or four out of ten skateboards that I sell are sell to girls. Yeah, the ability gap is closing. You know, right. I mean, there are girls that rip, and that you know, I don't mean that. And like, wow, you're good for a girl. You know, right. I mean, like, you're a really good skateboarder, and I yeah. really like your style. You know, and so a lot of the things that we held in in principle back then have become you know the new norm and yeah. i think just making sure that it stays that way is important that's great yeah yeah because in other sports it's still controversial right mm-hmm. you know and in, in a lot of ways you know and so that's great that's great to hear yeah uh, the the festival yeah, let's talk about, uh, and you call it the Change Music yes, Festival? Yes, Change Tupelo Festival. Change Tupelo Festival. Yeah, um, you know, that's the cool thing about the the name of my shop. I mean, it it had it has gone under many names since 1996. It's <laughs> changed many times. <laughs> and as I'm thinking about, what am I going to call it? I can't just go back to one of those and right. reopen one of them. So, I don't know, it's just changed so many times. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Is everything in skateboarding again? You know, it's not yo-yoing, and it's not there. There, there's this element of subversive, you know, ness to right. skateboarding. And I'm like, change. That's good because we yeah. we need some of that, and it can be it can be positive, uh, or it can be it can really scare people. You mm-hmm. know, especially people who are in power. They're afraid of if change comes, what's going right. to happen to my you know monopoly on yeah. the planet or whatever. So yeah. anyway, change. That's the name that we wound up with. And it can also be a verb. So, you know, the, all the social media and everything is just at change Tupelo. And they, um, so there's a group in town called the CVB, uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau. And their job, like many groups around the country, is to just get people to come to town and spend money and go out to eat and spend the night in our hotels. Right. And so they started noticing a lot of the shows that we, were, that we have at Change. And we have art shows. We have, you know, uh, all ages, punk rock and hip hop and kind of everything in between. And uh, they started coming out to that and started noticing a lot of out of town tags in the parking lot. And like, wow, there's yeah. a lot of people are coming to this. And, you know, is this the kind of thing that we can get behind and kind of help promote and whatever? So that started a really good relationship with a group of really nice folks at the Tupelo CVB. So I talked to them about. Um, a, there's this touring group of artists uh, called Punk Rock and Paintbrushes, hmm. and it's run uh, by a gal named Emily, who is kind of just has a lot of cool friends, right? Yeah. So it's a lot of these legend punk skate, uh, legend pro skateboarders like Steve Caballero and Christian Hasoy and Matt Hensley, who uh, most people are going to know Matt Hensley as being the accordion player in Flogging Molly. Mm -hmm. But the way that we all know him as being like the coolest skateboarder that has ever lived from (laughs) in about 1991. Like he was the guy that we all wanted to be when we were kids. And, um, you know, Tim from Rancid and Mike from uh, Social Distortion and all of these guys are they're musicians and they're skateboarders who also make art, whether right. it's photography or painting or whatever it is. Um, Tim Kerr, you know, yeah. um, who you have this beautiful piece hanging on your wall here in the studio. Right. Um, 
he's also kind of a, a, associated with these guys. And when it's this giant confederation of, of people from those walks of life and every once in a while, uh, Emily will go and, you know, she'll set up at Coachella or she'll set up at some giant festival and have a big tent or she'll do like a three day run of shows in three cities somewhere in the country. And so last year I went to see this show in um, St. Louis. And the cool thing about skateboarding and, and punk rock is like, we just, we just do not have rock stars. You know, we don't have Axl Roses. We, if you start thinking of yourself that way, like, you know, it's like, come on, dude, like, yeah. you know, get out of here. Like that's, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like you're playing with a toy, right? right? Like don't take yourself too seriously. And so the, all the guys that, you know, I grew up, a lot of people grew up with like Michael Jordan on their wall or whatever. Right. Well, I grew up with Christian Asoy and Steve Caballero and Matt Hensley on my wall. Wow. The difference is, I, you know, I went to their art show and invited them over to our Airbnb, which happened to have a concrete skate park in the back because I had sourced it out. Nice. Bought a bunch of pizzas and we stayed up till two in the morning, you know, talking yeah. about skateboarding and skateboarding in the backyard and talking about art or whatever. So yeah. got to be friends with several of those guys. Um, and I hate to name a bunch of names because uh, one, a lot of folks are going to be like, who's who's that? You know, and then a lot of people are I'll, I'll leave somebody out inevitably, too. You know, but Paul Kobringer is an amazing uh, ballpoint pen artist. He does these amazing photorealistic, you know, high definition photorealistic drawings. And he uses the cheap ballpoint pens. And yeah. he'll he'll use like 200 of them on one portlet portrait. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, it's it's amazing. And he's. He's part of it. He's been part of the skateboard industry forever. Um, Dan Smith is a tattoo artist who um, is an amazing guy. From I think he's from New Zealand originally and then lived in England for a while. And he's a big straight edge punker guy, you yeah. know, and a ton of these like straight edge punk bands and kind of tattoos all the guys in Civ and, you know, all the like OG guys. And yeah. then he has a band uh, called Sharp Shock. And anyway, he's a tattoo artist out on the West Coast and was was on that TV show. There, apparently, there was a TV show about tattooing. You know. Uh, oh yeah, I've seen you know that. I think, yeah, it was LA Inc. LA Inc. And yeah. there, and he was like a dude in that show. Or was that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's not why he's famous. He's famous because he's an amazing tattoo artist, and he's yeah. just like cool as the other side of the pillow, right? So right. he also does paintings, and he's part of that tour. So I, I got to, I've stayed in touch with these guys over the last year, and. Um, just almost on a whim was like, you know, you don't want to go to St. Louis, you know, you yeah. want to go to, you want to come down to Tupelo, Mississippi. Like you've never been down this far and all that whole Southern hospitality thing. Like that's real. Like yeah. we will, you will literally roll out the red carpet for you guys. You're going to gain five pounds while yeah. you're here. We're going to feed you some of the best food you've ever tasted in your life. You don't even know what sweet tea is yet. Right. You know, like it's, <laughs> you're fitting to find out. Yeah. And, um, and I guess they were, they were into it. And so, I went to the city and said, I have this amazing group of skateboarders and punk rock artists who are uh, interested in coming and putting on an art show. And so, you know, the Gumtree Museum downtown, uh -huh. where there's this, to this day, there's a Cullen Stewart uh, graffiti piece on That's the side right. of the, on the side of the wall oh, out there awesome. that he did. Yeah. I probably watched him do it in, you know, whatever, 1997. I here. He's on you my do, list of man. So I uh, reached out to the Gumtree Museum and they said, we would love to host these guys, you know. Um, yeah. they, they picked up on, you know, just like the magnitude of, of, you know, what these guys have contributed to society since the 80s and 90s and, you know, through the 2000s or whatever. Yeah. And so then um, that's one group, the uh, Punk Rock and Paintbrushes group. 
And then the other group that I reached out to about possibly coming and uh, being a part of a larger festival is this nonprofit called the Super Skate Posse. And the Super Skate Posse is uh, Chris Naratko and Atiba Jefferson, who are these two guys who've worked in the skate industry, you know, as photographers and skate shop owners and uh, company guys uh, for, for decades. And they wanted to start a nonprofit that would remove the cost barrier of entry into skateboarding. Um, and so we, um, as change, I'm working with the Boys and Girls Club in Tupelo and this group called CASA, it's like Church After School Association, mm-hmm. where they just go bust the kids to one of the bigger churches and just let them play on the playground or whatever right. until their parents get off work and can come pick them up so they don't just have to sit at the house yeah. by themselves. And um, some other... Uh, groups in Tupelo that, you know, big brothers, big sisters that, that mm-hmm. try to help with, you know, kids that are at risk. Right. right. And so uh, we're in the process of identifying a hundred kids by name and shoe size and head size. And at this festival um, through the super skate posse and their connections in the skate industry, we're going to give away a hundred complete skateboards and a hundred pairs of vans and a hundred helmets to a hundred kids in Tupelo. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, obviously we'll have a whole day where we're shutting down a street and we're playing punk rock music and hip hop music for, you know, the masses. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've tried to communicate to the city and through the marketing that we're going to do for this thing, I, I want to communicate that punk rock is not a sound and it's certainly not a uniform, you know, you don't just go to like the punk rock store at the mall and, you know, buy your punk rock outfit, even though you can do that I now. Isn't in, that what Hot Topic In 2022, I wasn't going to name drop, yeah. you know, but you, you don't just go out. to Zoomies, you don't just go to the Hot Topic and buy your outfit or whatever, you know, and join your, your gang. Like, right. it's there's not a certain sound, there's not a certain uniform, but rather there are some common themes that run through what we would call punk rock, you know? Right. And so some of those themes are the things we've already discussed. Um, Right. Community is the number one, you know, Um, a do it yourself ethic is so key to it. And I mean, man, that's, you know, you're the most punk rock dude I know, you know, because (laughs) like I'm sitting in your, uh, I'm sitting in your studio where you do it yourself. And, it's like, look, nobody's going to do this for me. Right. I, if it's going to happen, I'm going to have to figure out how to do it, and I'm going to have to do it. Right. And and as you're doing that, you meet other people who are interested in some similar things, and that may not be your exact thing, but there's some commonality there, and eventually, you know, the 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 weirdos in town, for yeah. lack of a better word, you know, wind up sort of being a community and looking out for each other, and so, you know, a DIY ethic. Um, community and emphasis on making the world a better place, you know? I mean, right. I, don't, I don't care if that's corny sounding or not. You know, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Yeah. It's a good thing, you right. know? And, um, and and those types of things uh, with this positive outlet for aggression, yeah. you know, whether that's through hip-hop music or punk rock music or whether that's through, you know, letting your soul cry out through some of the saddest, you know, songs of Ohio, whatever, like, right. you know, just that that's all punk rock to me, you know? Yeah. And so um, we've booked a really wide range of bands to come and play. You have graciously accepted my invitation <laughs> yeah. to come and play this there. festival, which I'm so stoked about. Um, we got might even bring an electric guitar. 
we'll see. That's going to be so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyways, you get a lot of people lined up to we play. We do, and it's a broad range yeah. so that people understand, like, oh, okay. You know, I thought punk rocks were people with green hair that – you know, set cop cars on fire right. or whatever. And, and I just wanted to know, like, yeah, we do that on Tuesday. But on Saturday, <laughs> you know, we give skateboards to the community. And yeah. we, you know, we try to, we encourage art. And we encourage people to become artists. And we try to remove the barrier between these amazing things that have meant so much to us and people that would be benefited by it. You know, right. So, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the continuation of, you know, what I'm trying to do with change. And mm-hmm. I'm getting to do that now on a... On an annual basis, uh, the city's made like a three-year commitment to uh, continuing to do a, a, a festival. So that'll be Labor Day weekend in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah, nice. September 2nd. And that'll be at the change location. So day one is kind of a VIP uh, event. And then there'll be like just a regular show like what we have at change right. on Friday night, but just with a much bigger crowd. Uh-huh. Then on Saturday, we're going to shut the main street down downtown for a few blocks okay. and build some skate obstacles and put up some stages. Nice. And from probably n- noon forward, there'll never be a time when a band's not playing. Right. Um, there'll be, you know, a whole wide range of bands playing uh, for the Pine Hill Haints are coming over and playing, yeah. you know, all the way. There's a like an eight piece ska punk band called joystick from down in new orleans that are coming up and play in nice. um ska's going back dude yeah man That's i'm telling so you fun. it just makes me happy so the rest of the festival will actually be downtown yeah and then on that's on the saturday so the friday yes. is at change um which is on cliff gookin the saturday is downtown and then the sunday is out at the skateboard park and that's when we're going to do the super skate posse give back and all the kids and are going to come out and that's the park that's next basically in Ballard Park. Yes, yeah, in Ballard Park. Yeah. It's uh, appropriately named the Hank and Helen Borner Skate Park. Yes. Uh, yeah, Hank passed away back in um, uh, in well about 10 years ago. Oh, that's great. So yeah. it, we got named after him and his wife who's still a, a dear friend and helps us with the skate park out there. So yeah, man, that's that's where the give back's going to be. All the kids will come out. There'll be some community leaders that come out. And then um, there are pro skateboarders who are coming to town. Um, you know, it's it's really by design. There are a lot of BIPOC pros who come out to take part in this thing. And mm-hmm. these are guys that are at the top, guys and girls that are at the top of their game. Right. One guy's name is Zion Wright, and he skated for the Olymp- He skated for the United States of America in the Olympics, right? Yeah. But he's just a kid from Florida yeah. who rips – and he takes time out of his, you know, going and being on Wheaties boxes to come <laughs> and give yeah. these skateboards to kids in the community. And, and they teach them a lesson. They teach them, like, this is how you stand on your board. So right. for these hundred kids, their first time to stand on a skateboard is going to be, you know, being taught by these pro skaters yeah. that are amazing. And, you know, in that, there, there's this message of like, hey, man. This thing might just be a fun toy that you play with, but it also may be the thing that, you know, shows you the world one day. Right. And there's a big world out here. Yeah. You know? So that's what it's about. That's great, man. That's awesome. And, and spreading it to kids like that. I don't know if you know this or not, but so there used to be, you, did you have the shop that was right next to yeah, the skate park? At right Bar next park? to the skate park. So uh, do you know my little brother? Uh-huh. So he's 13 years younger than me. Yeah. So we were, you know, we didn't really grow up much together he mm-hmm. was five when i graduated high school and, and kind of started moving out and everything but anyways when he was i guess 11 12 13 or something like that he 
I kind of started wanting, he was like interested in skateboarding and you had that shop there. And I yeah. was like, oh, let's go up there. And, and like, uh, I can't remember if I bought him one there or if we had got him a cheap one from, from, for Christmas or something. But anyways, I took him to that park for the first time because y'all had some kind of show going on. And yeah. Man, he just loved it. You know, I oh, think yeah. he was 12 or 13 at the time. And we saw the bands, and he was so excited. And I was like, well, get on your board and get out there. I didn't skate, so I couldn't, uh-huh. like, get out there with him. I was just like, yeah, go have fun or whatever. He was so timid. You know, he was just terrified sure. to get out there. And he finally got the nerve to stand on it, and he kind of go around a little bit. And people just whipping in and out yeah. around him. But, you know, he stuck with it. Dude, he did. And he, he skated. And he that could was his rip. life. Yeah. yeah, it was his life for, like, the next, I guess, 10 years uh-huh. at least, you know. And he still skates now and again, Yeah, I think. You know, yeah, once, you're, to, once you so. skate, like, you can't, you know, you're, you might go a couple of years where you're doing things like making amazing knives out of, you know, things right. you find. Yeah. But you're always going to drive by and go, whoa, look at that handrail. You know? Well, I think the the thing that he's doing now which is i guess people don't know this but he he makes uh blacks he blacksmiths and makes his own knives mm-hmm. just out of stuff that he finds and they're pretty incredible i think he uh i think he had the tools that he needed after getting into the skateboard community to be able to do something like that sure does that make sense it totally does yeah, yeah. No, skateboarding teaches you. Uh, it's like you're a saying the DIY thing. It's like nobody else is going to teach me how to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn how to do it myself. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and there's two. I mean, just in the actual physical act of it, because you have to constantly be making adjustments. Okay, mm-hmm. so my foot wasn't in the right. My front foot was in the right place, but maybe if I move my back foot over a little, maybe this one. You know, I won't hit my head if I do it again. And so it's the same kind of thing. Like. Okay, so next time I make a knife, instead of getting it this hot and hitting it with this hammer, I'm gonna, you know, it's, it's that. And that's what making I do. Small man. adjustments. I do it at the drums. I'm uh-huh. like, I move my foot over a little bit, and so I can hit in a certain way, or I move my mic a little bit, and I want it to sound like, you know. Yeah. It's like all about figuring out how to do it better. Yeah, man. And figuring out what works. So yeah, skateboarding's cool. conducive to like teaching that and and in, yeah. you know, embedding that in somebody's personality. Yeah. The individual act of learning it, though, within a community. Yeah. I think is what is what is the most special. Yeah, for sure. I tell people so. Oh, I mean, on the on the tail end of that, um, we're going to we're going to have that giveaway on Sunday. Uh But then every Saturday morning during the summer, we're going to be out there and giving free lessons to those same kids. So it's not just like a you know, hey, here's a skateboard, you know, be warm and filled or whatever. Like it's say, come back up here and we're going to teach you, you know, this is going to be, this is your place that you can come. And, and it's also there's just somebody a, here a that will show to be. you. It is. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's uh, skate, the skate park in my shop are like uh, so many kids third place, you know, you'll know right. that term because you know, your home's your first place and generally school's your second place. But your third place is that place that you go because you want to go, right. you know, and that's where you see friends and that's where your community sort of develops. And so, you know, making sure that that's a, that's a positive thing for those kids. But I tell people all the time, people call and say like, hey, do you guys give skate lessons? And skate lessons can be good. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, there's nothing like one-on-one skate lessons. In fact, my, my buddy Skylar King is offering, he's almost a professional skateboarder. I mean, right. in a sane world, he would be a professional skateboarder already. Yeah. But um, he lives here in Oxford and he's giving, you know, paid lessons one on one out at the at the skateboard park. And that's a great thing. But I always tell people and he would agree with me, if you want a skateboard lesson, just go to the skate park and ask somebody who skates like, hey, man, how do you do that? Where do you put your foot for that? And if they are a jerk to you, they're probably not. They're probably just like intimidated, you know, to be there, too. They're probably not a skater. 
Yeah. So because there's there's really this em, you know emphasis on trying to be as open and welcoming as as possible, you know, to to yeah. the kids who come along. And everybody's always just figuring it out, anyways. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Somebody showed me how to do it. You know. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's another reason why music is so similar because, like, I learned guitar that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I never had a guitar lesson. I just watched the way people held their fingers on TV when they played a guitar, or you know, at church if someone was playing a guitar, I watched them, and I, and yeah. I had the book that showed me how to play the chords. Yeah. And, I played wrong, <laughs> what I would consider wrong, uh-huh. for several years. Uh, but I actually still use that technique a lot in my recording. It's like the wrong way that I learned how to play. Yeah. Um, because no one else does that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, it, you know, it was I went after that where I got to, where I was playing with friends and other people that I would like learned what, oh, this is an actual bar chord or a full right. chord. You know, you start to learn things like that. So I think it was the same way. It's just like, you can learn it on your own, but at some point you got to be around someone else yeah. to figure out like what's going on. So yeah, for sure. Uh, anyways, yeah, it was great talking to you, man. You uh, too. Really great to have you up here. You're my first guest. I can't believe that. I mean, <laughs> I you know people are gonna think I'm just saying it if I say like I'm so honored to be your first guest. But I really am, man. I mean, yeah. you you know you've been a you've been a dear friend for a long time, man, and somebody that I genuinely hold in the highest esteem and. Well, so, so I really right appreciate you, it. man. It's, you know, it's one of those things where I know we don't always keep up and talk all the time or text all the time, but we both, it's one of those things where I was never, I never was like, well, I've never thought like, well, Matt don't like me. Never. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. It's just like, well, he's got a family. He's busy. Yeah. I got a family and busy. You know, we got things going on. Man, so. yeah. We pick up where but we left off. It does seem like that. Yeah. You know? That's what I find often when, when I like reach out to to an older friend. That's the real homies right there. Yeah. So, All right, man. Well, it's good talking to you. Thanks, dude. Peace. Well, there you have it. That was my talk with my friend Matt from Tupelo, Mississippi. Go check him out online at Change Tupelo on Instagram and Facebook, or just go to changetupelo.com to find out more. The Change Tupelo Festival is coming to Tupelo, Mississippi, Labor Day weekend, September 2nd through the 4th. So y'all be sure and check that out if you're in the area. And if you're not, travel in, check it out. It seems like it'll be a good time. Uh, Until next time, thanks for listening.